Hey everyone, this is Rob Simpson again with Elementary Until Now. What my podcast channel is going over is from my childhood up until the present. So each episode is going to be a segment on on my life and also on stuff that's really not talked about um, out in the open. And it's kind of diving into some more... Um, uh, issues, problems, solutions, things that I've found, things that have helped me along uh, throughout the years. Uh, this particular episode is called Not the Best Two Years. Uh, for those of you who are or who have been or who have heard of um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I grew up in the church, um, still an active member, I should say, uh, struggling active member um, of many of you who are members of the church or know those who are in the church. It's a struggle. It's, it's, uh, it for sure is. Um, anyway, beside the point, uh, this episode is, uh, I'm just going to dive right in and, and talk a little bit about, um, my experience with, um, being called to serve, uh, a mission and, Kind of what happened there, and uh, this story is a story I haven't told a lot, and it's for you know, you know reasons that I'll get into later. Um, but those of you that know me, that are close friends of mine, I've shared this experience with, and it took me a little while to open up about um, the experiences I went through um, serving a mission. Anyway, let me just bring you up to speed with where I'm at. Um, so I'm 18, graduating from high school. Uh, my birthday is in the fall months, so in November, or so in a fall month. And so uh, when I went out, you had to be um, 19, so you couldn't go at 18 like it is now. And it was uh, a thing in my family. I mean, everyone, I'm second oldest of five kids. I have uh, an older brother. Uh, both my parents served missions. My older brother did. And let me just kind of set this up for you a little bit. So dad went to Austria on his mission. My mom went to Germany. My older brother went to Zurich, Switzerland, and... Lo and behold, when I get my call to go on my mission, I'm super excited until I open it and I look at it and it was a call to Independence, Missouri. And I was like, so let down. I I, uh, I really thought I was going to go foreign. I mean, all of my, uh, you know, my brother and my parents all served a, a foreign mission and I thought that's where I was headed. Um, I got a, my patriarchal blessing right before I got my call and, um, not to share too much cause they are personal and sacred, but I did have some indication that if I were to go serve for a mission, the language would come easy to me. So that to me was another, um, 
just another thing to add to my list of, you know, of, oh my gosh, I am, I'm going to go for, and I am, you know, from having this in my patriarchal blessing to having my parents serve foreign missions and my older brother, and then very disappointing, I'm not going to lie, to get a call to Independence, Missouri. And back up a few years, like three years before that, we, when I say we, my family and I, uh, went on a church history tour trip that my parents bought a little pop-up trailer, you know, you just tow it behind a a vehicle, and uh, we went from Utah all the way out to Palmyra, New York, and hit everything in between from Independence, Missouri, to Nauvoo, to... Carthage to Liberty to all those places. So I really wasn't super stoked to go to Independence, Missouri, because I had spent some time in in, uh, Independence on this trip that we went on and was not excited to go back. And I do remember my dad telling me how if I didn't want the call, I could turn it down and And I said, no, I'll go. I'll do it. There's a reason I'm supposed to go. So I don't know what it is, but I guess we'll find out. Um, I'm very honest when someone asks me a question and and I I tell it like it is. One of the things that uh, I hear from return to missionaries and um, others is um, that you hear that line, best two years of my life. And And I've heard some things since that I agree more upon where someone says, well, if that's the best two years of your life, what do you have, what do you have to look forward after that? You know, if that's your best, then what can be better than the best, you know? And anyway, uh, so I don't refer to it as my best two years and, and even there's some growth for sure from serving a mission. And I learned a lot, uh, things have changed a lot. And, uh, anyway, so uh, talking about the MTC. So I get my call disappointed going to the MTC and I was depressed. I was very down. I was very sad. Uh, I didn't want to be, uh, away from my family. And I didn't realize up until that point that how much I would be homesick and miss my family. And especially my mom, I was a a mom, mama's boy. Um, as I found out, find out a lot of a lot of people are um, more so than than the dad because the mom, you know, is the nurturer. Anyway, I uh, I would write letters home, and that's another thing is it was my mom that would write letters to me, and that was my communication. And this is back in the day when we uh, when missionaries couldn't email or have cell phones out on the mission or tablets or use Facebook, you know. Facebook wasn't even around at the time I went. So this is back in 2000, just to uh, let you guys know the time this took place. Anyway, so I remember going to the airport, and this is when you used to be able to go and see your missionaries off at the airport. And uh, my dad told me that things would get better once I went into the mission field. And so I was very emotional at the airport, very uh, teary-eyed, very sad to see my family go or be away from my family, um, for two years. Uh, at least that's what I expected to happen. Uh, anyway, get out in the mission field, uh, very, 
I mentioned this earlier in a pod, my first podcast of, I grew up very shy, very reserved, very quiet, very kept to myself. And so this was a big undertaking for me to go out to talk to people that I don't typically do. Uh, to, I mean, just talk in general and to talk to strangers and to talk about religion. And I was like, holy smokes, three strikes. Those are it. Like I'm, I should, I don't know what I'm doing out here. Um, I found out after, so when you get into the, the, uh, mission home, you spend the night there and then you are assigned, um, a companion, your trainer, your first companion. And, I get assigned to an elder that actually is out of Price, Utah. Um, very good guy, very uh, very understanding, very caring. Um, just all around, one of my uh, one of my better uh, companions for sure. I found out later I wasn't supposed to be with him um, originally, and that was because when I interviewed with the mission president, I told him that I would wanted to go home. I was ready to go home. I didn't want to do this. I was really just struggling and terrified and had those emotions of being, you know, the anxiety, right? To talk to people, to freeze up and be like, oh, what do I do? And, and, and not be able to open my mouth. Um, anyway, so it was a good move by the mission president for sure to put me with uh, this trainer of mine to help me not push me, but let me move at my own pace and get me to um, be able to open up and and stay out there. And that's pretty much what happened. He was very lenient on me, um, didn't force me to do anything as far as teaching the discussions. And that's when they had discussions. Um, And it took, it took some time. I, I did uh, make this a matter of prayer and made this a matter of uh, the, the matter I made of prayer was to to help me open my mouth and to reach out and and talk to others and share the gospel and and work on um, gifts that that I have um, gifts that I feel like we all have our own gifts. We have our own areas of um uh, it might not be an expertise right now, but it can be. It's an area where when we reach uh, a full potential that we will um, accumulate all these different gifts if we focus on them. And if we strive to make it a focal point of of our lives. And that's, so that's what I did for, for two months. Um, and then I was able to start talking and teaching and having discussions and being more open and and I didn't realize who I could be come until I started seeing the changes that were taking place. So that's on the positive note of what what I gained from my mission and how I was able to um, open up and and be very um, vocal and to talk to strangers and talk religion and and just you know be more of a people person instead of you know more of an extrovert instead of an introvert and honestly I feel like I'm at the point um where I've been this way for a while now and I 
and I, and I like it and I know where my comfort zone is and I'm more of an ambivert. And I don't know if you've heard that term before, but it's basically a mix of both. And there's times when I like to be, you know, out in public and outgoing and, and, and that type of personality. And there's other times where I like to stay at home and just kind of cut off communication for a little while and cut things out, cut off the noise and just be more, um, keeping to myself so I can just have that downtime and I won't get too much into, you know, the extrovert and introvert and ambivert and all those things and what goes along with that. But anyway, so fast forward a little bit. Uh, I'd been out for uh, nine months and I'd been in a, mm, probably four or five companionships. And the first companionship I was in was for well first area I was in for six months which was a long time and I had two companions in that one and then I had um actually another two so I was on my fifth companionship at this point in nine months and I get in a situation where I'm with an elder this is when and no judgment on what people have done in their past um it's just a little frustrating and hard to work with you know, you have to work with all types of people. But this com- particular companion had been, I believe he was from North Dakota, and he had been um, red dotted, which means you can't drive a mission vehicle because you have traffic violations or you have, in his particular case, he had two DUIs before his mission. And this was before they raised the bar on what you can um uh, like going on a mission, how you can go on a mission now. They've raised the standards and stuff. And and things were just different back then. I had one companion that basically he went to his bishop and he had done some things where that basically his bishop said, either you go to jail or you go on a mission. And he chose a mission. And he was a really good companion. I have no nothing bad to say about him. I was grateful to have him as a companion. Um I don't have a problem with someone that's had a past. We all have a past where I do run into an issue is if your actions from your past become uh, uh, an indicator of who you are now or who you're, what you're going to do later on um, in life. If you don't correct the behavior or, you know, whatever it is. Anyway, so my companion had two DUIs and he had been into drugs and he had done things that had with the drugs that or because of the drugs it had caused him to have um like amnesia so he had been in this area for a couple months and he'd been in the area before this so this was like a second time coming back and when you're on a mission, you're you have um, an allotment of miles, and I think we had like 2,500 miles we could drive a month because he was the district leader. And what makes it hard is when I get into the area, I I don't have a problem driving, and he gets um, tells me we have an appointment, and I'm like, great, where's it at? You know, it was an appointment for uh, a less active member, and. He says, I don't know. Um, and I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? And he goes, I don't remember how to get there. And I'm like, okay, well, do you have an address? And then there's an area book. 
where you can look it up and see what's um it's an area book is kind of notes of what's been going on in, in the area and it's left behind for any missionaries that serve in that area to add to and review uh what's been going on and just kind of update anyway so it was frustrating for me uh being his companion because he would forget things like that and we're wasting time and miles and we're wasting um the other person's time because they're expecting us to come so i it just really frustrated me and the thing that was kind of unique about this um, companionship is we had a district and a district is usually made up of at least three companionships our district was made up of two it was our companionship him and i and two other elders and the thing that was hard about that was the other two elders were his buddies They'd all gone out together, together, like they were in the MTC together. So they were going to enter the mission field at the same time and leave at the same time. And so they already had that rapport. They had that, you know, um, friendship. And anyway, so as a district leader, he was in charge of running district meetings. And so we drove up to their area to have a district meeting but we arrived a day before to go on exchanges which means we would switch companions and go out and either go tracking or do appointments or uh, appointments with you know less active members active members whatever it was anyway so i get up there and i get paired up with one of the other two elders and he's kind of a heavier set guy kind of a very um grouchy looking face um anyway he uh we went out for a little bit came back and he did some uh some kind of shady things i don't um just so everyone knows i'm the for me the things that set me off are if you lie to me or you steal from me and he did both and what that consisted of was we're back at the apartment just taking a little break after um, going to an appointment and he I go to use the restroom and I come back and what happened was let me back up my companion asked me to give a talk the next day for for the uh, um, district meeting which I was like yeah I'll do that you know and so I have a sheet of paper that I was writing down my talk on and I'd fold it up and I'd stick it on the inside pocket of my coat my suit coat and anyway i go to the restroom i have it in my coat my, my my coat's off sorry my coat's off on the chair go in the restroom come back and i'm like a i have little tendencies where i double check things and that's just kind of something i think it's because my dad would do that so it's you know you pick up traits and little things from your parents and that was one thing i did so i was checking in there and there was no talk i'm like oh my gosh i can't tell me i misplaced it you know and he this elder asked me what I was looking for, and I said, hell, I got to talk him right, and, and it was in my coat, and it's not there now, and he's all, you probably lost it somewhere. I'm like, oh, I could have, you know, so I'm not making any ac accusations, and and uh, I'm looking around, so I go to another room, can't find it, because I thought it, I might have dropped it on the floor in the apartment somewhere, because I had walked around, and I come back, and I check again, and it's in there, and he's like, 
did you find it? And I go, yeah, it's in here. And so, oh, maybe you didn't blah, 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 you know, whatever. And I'm like, so I was getting suspicious because I'm like, I checked my coat pocket because I put it in the same one every time. And it was in the same one when I found it. Anyway, then I go to um, uh, the other elders come back to the apartment and they were going to a dinner appointment. And I, same thing happened again. I was looking for my talk because it was, I don't wear my suit coat around the whole time because it was getting warmer. It was turning to, or sorry, it was starting to turn colder. So I'd wear it outside, but then inside it was too warm. So I'd take it off and I'm, and I checked it before they went to dinner and it was gone again. And I turned to my companion after they had left and I said, Hey, elder did elder so-and-so take my talk and he goes no and I'm like well will you help me look for it and he goes yeah and then he finds it and I'm like did you know it was there and he goes he finally fessed up and he goes yeah he said he did take it and we were just messing with you dude and I'm like that ain't cool like you don't don't hide things from me and joke around and think it's funny because it's not and especially me being still you know nine months in I'm still kind of uh, and not to make excuses, uh, I just was more of a new, newer missionary compared to them. They'd been out longer. I, I still, I mean, I wasn't like completely over my shyness or, um, fear of talking to others. Um, and so I was still a little timid and he, um, yeah, he just had told me that the elder so-and-so did take it and I said not to and I told him like that's not cool don't do that like it's not what's not what we're out here for to you know to make me make someone stress about a talk or you know anyway uh so they came back from their dinner appointment and I didn't say anything and and then I went on exchanges with the other elder and I went out um, to, we were going to visit a less active member. We knocked on the door and they weren't home, but uh, the, it's this apartment building and there's a guy that came out uh, just a door, just one door down and because he thought we were knocking on his door. Um, anyway, long story short, he lets us in. We start talking and I get into some deep doctrine and I say some things that I knew it was nothing uh, bad or anything. It was just some deeper doctrine that, um, if you haven't grown up in the church or haven't discussed things like this, like it can be very overwhelming or very like it'll catch you off guard. And I did do that in all honesty because I was trying to get back at this elder and his companion for um, treating me the way they had been. And I thought it would be kind of funny, honestly. And he had to kind of explain when I would make a statement or say something that was a on a deeper level and he would have to explain it to this investigator, this new person that was hearing this for the first time. And anyway, so we end up leaving, going back to the apartment and he told his companion what had happened and then they started threatening me. They started to pound, or pound their fists into their hand like this and smacking it 
and just looking at me and threatening that they were going to beat me up um, for doing what I did. And it wasn't, and the thing was like, it wasn't anything bad or whatever. And it, and it, and then that kind of just sent me into a bit of a tailspin um, because from that, um, my companion had to call in um, to the, the zone leader, which a zone leader is over a district and anyway, and report how many people we talked to and Book of Mormon was given out and all that stuff. And, and I knew this district, or sorry, this zone leader, and I asked to talk to him. And so they gave me the phone and I went out in the hall in the apartment complex that we were in. Um, and I told uh, the zone leader what had happened and how they were threatening me. And, and this kind of goes back to an earlier podcast where I talked about when you tell someone something, whether whatever it is, right, someone you trust, someone that you have um, yeah, just trust in and have faith that they're going to do something about it or at least believe you at the very least. And I told him and he said I was paranoid and that was super hurtful. That cut me deep. That made me really feel like my crap, you know, and it was, I was out in the hall and when he told me that and I was scared and I was already tearing up and that just kind of sent me over the top and I was very emotional about it and went back and, uh, cause he said, give the phone to your companion. Um, and he, anyway, he talks to him and the result of that was to give me a blessing. And I was like, so upset about that because I was like, I need a blessing. Like, come on. And the other solution was, or the other part of that was to take my mattress and my companion's mattress or both of our mattresses. We were to drag them into the other room, the bedroom where the other two elders slept and to stay there the night. Um, and then we, we were going to have the district meeting the next day. Um, anyway, so we go in there. I get, well, I get my blessing, which I did not, did not want. And then I, take my mattress in the room, get ready for bed, go to bed. I, and, and I knew what was going to happen. And I just don't like being right on that. Uh, especially when you know what's going to happen. Um, anyway, so what happened was I was laying on my stomach and I'm not a stomach sleeper. I'm a side sleeper. And, and I'll tell you why I slept on my stomach in a second. Um, and I had the car keys, right? Cause remember I'm in charge of driving and I had them next to the mattress on the floor, just with arm in, within arm's reach. And all of a sudden after the lights are out, it's been a few minutes. I hear someone stirring around in the room. Sure enough, I knew who it was. It was that same elder, the heavier set one. He made a lot of noise cause he was, the bed would creak when he would uh, get out of it and he got on the floor and he comes over and he's going for the keys and I knew this is what he was going to do and I heard the keys jingling around and I kind of shifted around on the mattress and like I was going to wake up but I was already awake and he hurried and went back into his bed after this happened I 
So the reason I was on my stomach is because I didn't want him to know I was panicking or had adrenaline flowing through me because I was scared, I was upset, and I was mad at him. And what I did is, being on my stomach, I took my left hand and I pushed it into the mattress so that I, because I was breathing kind of quick, right? I'm in stress mode here, panic mode, whatever. And it was to give me room to let my stomach go in and out, in and out, and chest and everything just to keep that from him, you know. And this is just how I think, right? I just I just think of things, and sometimes it's right, sometimes it's not. But that, I think, was a smart move, so I wasn't letting him know what was going on. And then I settled down, and then he comes and does it again. Same thing. Stir, I stirred around on my mattress a little bit, moved around, and he went back into his bed. And then it happened a third time, and I let him take it the third time, take the keys, and I was done. I was 100% done. I got up, went to go use the restroom. I packed up all my stuff that I had brought up to that apartment, and I didn't have the keys. And so I went outside, and I dropped what what I had in my arms by the uh, back of the car. Um, and in, in my haste, this was pretty quick, I ended up leaving what what's called the White Handbook, which is basically the rules of the mission. And in there I had phone numbers for the mission president, the mission office. You know, I had a bunch of numbers written down in there. And that's what I actually needed because... Back then, we didn't have cell phones, and especially on a mission. And even though I'm sure cell phones were out, they just weren't allowed at the time in a mission, on a mission. And I didn't realize this until I got to a gas station because I was going to call from a payphone. And when I realized that I didn't have it, I was at the gas station and I asked the clerk at the gas station to, um, I didn't know what else to do. I asked him if there was any police that I could talk to and I wasn't going to call 911 because it wasn't an emergency and and the clerk at the gas station wouldn't help me and I was frustrated with that but I had a there there was a guy that was in inside the convenience store at the gas station shopping and he told me in the next 15 minutes go across the street and there will be two officers that show up they come there every morning um, and I thanked him and I went on my way across the street and I waited and sure enough, they showed up and I told them what was going on and you guys can take it for what it's worth or however, you know, I might've taken this to an extreme, but I just, I felt like I was stuck between a rock and a hard place and this was my way out and I told them what was going on and I told them these missionaries would be looking for me. And they would be tearing around the corner um, coming to get me or being very upset. All right, guys, I'm going to continue on the rest of the story in my next podcast. This is going to be part one. Um, I think this was probably going to turn into a three-part series. And anyway, thanks for listening. And I'll pick up from where I left off on my next podcast. Thanks, guys. Just leave comments, give me some stars, hit subscribe, share with your friends, and I appreciate it.
Thank you.